We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. Let's uh, have a regular check-in today for some of our PGA favors. We got Ben Raza from awesomeo.com on the line. We got Rick Gaiman from rickrungood.com or dfsondemand.com. I can never remember. Rick, which one is it? Quickly. Uh, technically, both will get you there, but okay. dfsondemand.com. Yeah, it just, it's been so long since we've talked that now everything is just going crazy through my mind. I'm not, I'm not doing well over here and trying to keep everything sane in my mind at this point. But I do want to let everyone know there's still DraftKings giveaways to be had. So if you want to get into a draw for 100 DK dollars, and this applies to, you know, Rick, I mean, the, the giveaway applies to my show. But for all podcasts out there, subscribe to them, download the episodes, leave a five-star review on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Your DraftKings handle something you enjoy about the Pat Mayo Experience podcast. You'll be in a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. Those draws are not going away. But the lifeblood of the podcast industry downloads down across the board turns out when people are not commuting to work all the time fewer podcast downloads actually happen fewer people are just listening to podcasts in general so we need your help to keep those numbers up that would be good for all of our sakes and if you want to get into a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars smash the like button of the episode leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section tell me who do you think is going to win the masters now that it has been moved to november because there's a brand new PGA Tour schedule, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Ben, I want to start with you. And the new updated schedule, as we have it right now, is the PGA Championship, August 9th, or August 6th to 9th. 
The Wyndham Championship has been just bumped a week. You know, you gotta get Wyndham needs to keep its spots so people can earn their Wyndham's rewards points towards the end of the year. That's on the 13th to 16th. Then immediately into the FedEx Cup playoffs, Northern Trust BMW Tour Championship back to back to back weeks. That's five straight weeks with golf. Then there's an off week for the US, then the US Open at Wingfoot. Then the Ryder Cup is the next week. Then there's nothing until the Masters. There's still like a potential spot July 30th that they've kept open in case you know people want to bid to get that tournament. And technically, everything has been canceled till the Charles Schwab Championship. That's a colonial. That's May 21st to 24th. I don't envision that happening. But the rest of the schedule right now is in place. However, like... Um, the RBC Canadian Open is being held in Toronto. I live in Toronto. Toronto is technically on lockdown till at least June 30th, so I doubt that's going to happen. Plus, Canada has a no-entry policy right now, so I guess it would just be made up of Canadian golfers who are within the country. Don't think anyone wants to see that. They already had the McKenzie Tour. No one's watching that. Don't think anyone's going to watch that Canadian Open. But you are in the vicinity, at least, of how far away from Wingfoot are you? 15 minutes. Okay. So you're familiar with the geography and the weather conditions. So normally the U.S. Open is played on Father's Day. It has been bumped till the end of September. That dramatically changes how this course is going to play, isn't it? I would have to imagine so. Uh, we're not getting into like the depths of winter in New York. It's actually probably pretty good weather for the spectators. But I'd venture to say if you're in a morning tea time, probably gonna be pretty chilly out there uh you know that's fall weather up here of course good football weather i'm just not sure how different it's going to play for for the conditions and u.s opens historically always really difficult will this make it even tougher on the players that's something to explore yeah rick what do you envision here because i i like tommy fleetwood at the u.s open anyway when it was going to be held in june i feel like this gives an advantage to european players who are used to playing in a bit more frigid conditions yeah, for sure. I think that it's a lot of it's going to depend on how they set up the course, right? When you're when you're playing it in June and it's firm and fast and you can stretch this thing out to the the high 7000s in yardage, like that's one thing. If it's if it's a little a little softer at Wings Foot in September, uh, we might not see the course play as long in yardage, but it would still play fairly long just because of the softer conditions. Uh, you you know, if the rough like that Ben mentioned it, like that's very much the the fall in in the northeast where like it might just rain all week or it might just like like it might not be prime condition so yeah certainly anyone who uh, finds themselves in wet colder situations more often typically the euro guys on those uh, events over there i think certainly do have a little bit of an edge uh, the other ones i would look at right now i'm just kind of scanning the odds fleetwood's down to 28 to 1 he was at 33 patrick reed is 40 to 1 to win the u.s open uh that's a guy who's had a lot of success in early september at northeast courses during the fedex cup like i think that's where i would try to mine like you can go back and look at how wingfoot is going to play how it historically plays but if you're trying to find a weather comparison with how some of these courses play i think looking at the barclays first week of september historically last year it was in august obviously but that's the conditions that i'm get. i'm guessing that we're going to get for wingfoot right probably um and yeah but obviously reed had a ton of success at barclays he doesn't mind really adverse conditions he can scramble kind of grind it out he is someone that i think is a better fit for us opens than people may may think it's going to be very interesting i mean there's a lot of variance in the weather and in late September in New York, you could get, like Rick said, it could be pouring. It could be really hot still. 
honestly, you, I mean, I guess it's possible it could snow. Who knows? <laughs> um, there's just a lot going on there. And then we just have to see, you know, the, the order of these things. How different are these guys? You know, the big end guys, they plan their whole schedule, their whole year. This is, you know, scrambling on the fly. I wonder exactly how that's going to shake out in terms of effectiveness of their play. Yeah. What do you see? Rick, in terms of how people manage this schedule, because you know we've seen players take off the first leg of the FedEx Cup in the past, just be like, yeah, I, I want to have an off week, then we're going to play two in a row. Now it's been shortened to three, and it's back-to-back weeks, but golf is going to go major, Wyndham, and the Wyndham Championship, if there's ever like a winner of all of this, is going to be the big one. So let's say the, tur- like, the season just starts at the PGA Championship. We don't have any PGA Tour golf until then, and even then, I'm still skeptical this is going to happen. But there are going to be so many people fighting to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs, like real names that are outside the bubble right now. And you could look at it one way and say, you know what? If I'm not in, I'm not in. I'll just take the month off. I don't need to go outside. I don't need to do whatever. But other people are going to say, like, there's like 20 million bucks on the line here. Uh, I might just want to play the Wyndham come third to make sure I get some guaranteed money and have a shot at winning you know, enough money that I never have to do anything the rest of my life ever again. So I think the Wyndham actually benefits the most from all of this. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because the the PGA Tour schedule now, especially with the fall segment of it, it, it's it's very much a marathon. And a lot of the big name players, you know, they don't get started until January or Torrey Pines or even the Florida Swing. And now that's all wiped out. So like you could be looking at if everything stays the same with kind of how they distribute the points. You know, Sebastian Munoz like heading into the Tour Championship in like the four slot. Like it's going to be kind of crazy. So. I do think we're going to see an absolute sprint to the finish line and it it doesn't necessarily bode well for the guys that want to take weeks off specifically tiger woods. Like there is a lot of golf to be played coming down the stretch into the playoffs, going into the U S open. And then if you're on a Ryder cup team, it's like you're, you're going to be playing golf nonstop in the fall, assuming this schedule stay, stays the same way. So, yeah, it, it's it's going to be nuts. There's going to be a lot of FedEx Cup points to go uh, up for grabs in just a few events. Yeah, if I'm Tiger, he doesn't normally play back-to-back weeks anyway. So, fortunately, the Masters has been pushed into November, so he's going to have a significant amount of time off. I could see him bailing out of the Ryder Cup, to tell you the truth. That certainly wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I mean, I think – there's going to be a lot of weird stuff this year. You know, I think, I think guys are going to strategically skip out on events. I think some are going to decide, Hey, I'm going all in and I'm going to tee it up seven straight weeks. If they get the opportunity to do that, tiger has everything on his resume. He makes sure that he is ready for green jackets, uh, major championships, and we're, we might have, I mean, he might have a chance to win a green jacket twice in a six month span here. He's not going to do anything to hurt his chances in November to don his sixth green jacket. And Tiger is firmly established in the FedEx Cup playoffs. He won the Zozo. So he's currently 28th in the FedEx Cup standings. There's no conceivable way that he could drop out. So Ben, I would expect him to at least take the first week of it off. Or maybe he plays the first week, skips the second week, then goes to the tour championship. I am not quite sure how that's going to look. No, but I think that's a pretty reasonable guess. And like Rick said, honestly, Rick, again, mega sharp strategy. He drafts all the guys uh, who who dominated the swing season in our year-long draft. I was gaining steam. Now none of my guys get to play. Uh, Munoz and co. are just chilling. Um, It's really going to be atypical. You're going to see a lot of wonky standings and a lot of just different names in different places this year. It's, It's just a product of the situation. 
how are we going to deal with that? Because we have one and done pools. We have our draft. I'm sure we can just push our draft into the next year, or just pay it out, <laughs> redraft, whatever. But like for one and done pools, there's like significant money on the line in these. And we're not going to have a whole lot of events. Like the rules were not written for a pandemic outbreak. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to, if you're in like first or second right now, and you have a good chance of like winning the overall prize, I can see you being furious if the rules get changed, but there, there needs to be some give and take with this. I would think. This is uncharted territories, right? I mean, I, I think that there's really no great decision. You could, you know, refund everybody right now, give them their 50 bucks back or whatever. But yeah, you're right. Like the, the equity that some of these entries had that are in first place out of 3,000, you know, a third of the way through the season and big money at the top are probably not going to be happy with that. The guys who are in dead last who forgot to put picks in, you know, four weeks in a row are probably going to be thrilled with that. But they're, like, you're not going to be able to make everybody happy. Um, it's even more complicated if you've kind of already paid out some segments depending on how your pool is set up so yeah I, I don't know I, I'm lucky enough to not have to make a lot of those decisions but I encourage everyone out there to uh, be nice to your friendly commissioners and pool managers and stuff like that because this is a really awkward situation to be in I, I would think like I think I'm in the bottom 200 of the one and done that like I have no chance to come back and win so if the segments have already been paid out obviously that money's from the pool that money's going to stay with whoever that maybe I think it was going to be like top 50 payout or top 25 I wasn't as someone who's not in contention to win uh, I didn't really look at it too hard but maybe you take the top 10 people and then cut out the bottom 200 people and then just disperse the money between the top 10 from the bottom 200 and everyone else in the middle gets their money back. I don't know if that works out perfectly, but try to do it that way. We're not going to play the whole season, but you're in first right now. We'll give you a partial payout of what you would have got. That way you're not like outraged that you didn't get anything for being in first and the people at the very bottom weren't coming back anyway. That Maybe that's a decent compromise. I don't know. Maybe people are furious with that idea too. Well, I, I think it'll end up being like the like the college football playoffs where, you know, if, if you let eight teams in, teams nine and ten are upset. If you get 16 in, 17 and 18 are upset. I think you'll have a lot of that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would do what I think is reasonable, what I think is right. Try to give a little bit of equity to to some of those guys who were having good seasons. But, yeah, it's a uh, it's a mess. Yeah. And just I, I would venture a guess, like if you're in first place now, and you do get your partial payout or however however that ends up working, just remember that go back and look historically of the guys that were first place in the one and done on like the second week of March. None of those guys win. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it, it's tough. If you're in first, honestly, I think you'll probably be pretty happy with the outcome because no matter what they do, unless it's a full refund, you're going to get probably even maybe more equity than you should. It's the people that Rick talked about you're, when you're on the buffer, like if you're lurking right in position, there's a real chance you just get your, your money back. That kind of sucks. But listen, it's a product of a pandemic. Uh, you know, who, who reasonably had this uh, on their bingo card? So I, I don't know what to say. It's just one of the many things that people have to deal with right now. Yeah, there'll, there'll have to be some sort of compromise. I feel like this is way down on people's list of what to Seriously. worry about at the moment. But you know that people will get like triggered about it because the more and more people are quarantined and staying inside their house, the crazier people are going. So the outrage level could be at an all-time high. The FedEx Cup stuff, though, for the Wyndham Championship. Here's some names that would need a big finish at the PGA Championship or the Wyndham just to get in to the FedEx Cup playoffs this time around. So you got Brennan Grace, he's at 166. Francesco's at 169. See, woo! 
He's at 170. CT Pan, Sergio, Danny Willett, Kevin Chappell, Jason Duffner. And then we got some like real names. Stenson, who's won at the Wyndham Championship before. Matt Wallace, your guy, Bill Hospin. He, he can try to get in to try to win another FedEx Cup. Brooks Kepka's 213 on that list right now. Uh, Lucas Beregard is way outside. And there's some other huge names down here, too. Like, there's some names that aren't being accounted for because they have, like, zero FedEx Cup points so far. That, you, Like I said, the, the Wyndham might see Brooks Kepka go just so we can try to get himself in if he doesn't win the PGA Championship. Or he yeah, might that's... not. Or he might so not how does care. it work? I guess I should probably know this, but what are they doing with PGA Tour cards? I have like zero idea. Like, you know how awful it would be if you're, you're a grinder on the corn Ferry tour, you finally make it to the PGA tour and you get like a third of a season to, to try to maintain and you get bounced already. Like that would be awful. Yeah. I, I assume they're just going to have to make a bunch of exemptions. Right. I mean, like we, they, I know they, they froze the official world golf rankings. So they've, they've done that for now, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, the tours going to just have to embrace how weird it is. And even like, okay, what happens in September for like the U S open and the masters, do those count towards next year's FedEx cup points? Or are they just like completely separate from themselves? They're their own entities. There's no points awarded because they'll already be after the tour championship. That's interesting. I didn't even consider that because looking at the schedule, it does seem like as of right now, most of the fall swing tournaments are still in place to the best that they can be. Uh, in their regular slot. So I don't know how like Houston or the Greenbrier is going to deal with this. We'll see. But that counts towards next year. But as a part of this season's schedule, all those events are still on it. Like if you win the Wyndham, you're not technically in the Masters in November. You'd be in the Masters next April. So like you could win the PGA Championship theoretically and not qualify for this year's Masters. Which is absolutely wild. It, it would be, I'd have to be the first time ever, right? That that hasn't happened. This is going to be the year that we look back on for all the trivia questions. Like, oh, when was the last time the Open Championship was canceled? When was the last time the Masters wasn't played in April? Like, it's going to be all the weird stuff will be 2020. At least 2020 is a really easy one to remember. Be like, if it was 2026 or like 2014, I feel like that wouldn't stick out as much in people's minds. But 2020, it's an easy one. Yeah. Piece of cake. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that has to be figured out. I mean, even when like the spots that opened up, like the U S open week opened up, the Olympics opened up, the the open championship opened up, are are like, could they fill those with events that have already been canceled or moved? Like there's so much stuff to figure out still. And like Ben, what are the chances you think that golf will actually start with the PGA championship in the first week of August? Do you think that actually happens? Yeah, I think they'll be golf by then in some form. No fans, I would say, but I, I think it's a little lofty. I've seen some things they want to start in like mid-June. Um, I don't know if that's feasible. I'm not going to lie. I, what do I know? Listen, every, everyone else, just check your Twitter feed, is a coronavirus <laughs> expert. Uh, I'm not. I'm the, I'm the only one, but I, I think by August they they – should be able to hopefully have something in place that maybe can allow them to, to try to get some events off the ground. Like the, like I mentioned, Rick, like the Charles Schwab challenge, May 21st is still technically not canceled yet. So it's been canceled through the Byron Nelson, which is the week before. And then you have that. Do you think that happens? Cause I do not. I, I do not think the Charles Schwab challenge in, in mid may is happening. Although I do 
believe, and I'm certainly, to Ben's point, no expert in any of this whatsoever, but I do think that mid-June date, they're targeting to play PGA Tour golf. It's the date that was recently vacated from the U.S. Open. And and the way that I that I kind of wrap my head around this is, like, the PGA Tour didn't really want to stop playing anyway. You know, they were kind of the last one to get – to get into, I mean, we played the first round of the players. We were letting fans in until noon that day, knowing that there were going to be no fans on Friday. Like the PGA tour was very late to call this whole thing off. I think they want to put themselves in a position to make a case as an outdoor sport with no fans that we can come back early, uh, that we can come back sooner than a lot of other leagues. So I think they're going to push it now, whether that is right or wrong or a good idea or a bad idea, we'll leave that to the experts. But I think the PGA is putting themselves in a position to be one of the first sports back. It's in a good position to be one of the first sports back. Plus all the other sports leagues right now. And like media members are really taking pot shots, at the UFC for coming back. But essentially the UFC is the is the test dummy for all of this stuff. It can kind of absorb all of the blows, all of the blowback that if things go good with the UFC, whether they're doing it on native reserves or private <laughs> islands like Mortal Kombat or Bloodsport, then if everything works out fine with those, I think dipping the toe back in the water for sports overall will end up being pretty good because no one wants the UFC to have the entire market share of all of this because there still is business to be had as, you know, one of the biggest cases we're hearing about blowback about Corona and all this stuff is, you know, people are losing money. Small businesses are going under. Like there's a lot of people just who essentially want to say, fuck it. I don't care about the virus. Like you can't have the economy going in the tank. Uh, I was like, I'd prefer, you know, 10% of people die than people lose money. Like there's that, that there's that voice out there as well, that eventually if you can prove that some of this stuff can be okay and people are at low risk or nothing has happened, then I think people will be more willing to give sports a shot again. Like quarantining baseball players for four and a half months to play in the same stadium seems kind of insane. Golf, like you mentioned, outside, you don't need a ton of people there. Even if you broke everyone from threesomes into twosomes, then you go from six people down to four people. Or you could even do the thing that they do at the beginning of the season where, you know, Torrey Pines has played on the north and south course. Like with TPC Harding Park for the PGA Championship, I know they won't do this, but Olympia Fields is across the street. Just break up the players into the two rounds. You play rounds one and three at one of the courses, rounds two and four at one of the other courses. You break up half of the field. That way you're not overpopulating all the clubhouses. Cause I think that would be the hardest part about golf is that if you run a 144 man field or 156 man field, it's not the on the course stuff that becomes the problem. If you want to keep people out of congested spaces, the clubhouse would be the worst part. I would think. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't know what, the thing that I worry about is what happens if they launch and then someone on the tour gets sick, just one guy, like they have to stop immediately. Right. Like, I don't know how much the wiggle room they have in terms of trying to play through some minor bumps. And it feels kind of far-fetched to think that they won't have any bumps where there's nobody involved with what goes in to produce this that may contract this just from being out, out in the world. Doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Like Rick said, I just worry about the aspect of what happens if on the second event, one guy in the field withdraws because he's sick. Then it's a complete shutdown. You'd have to think it's a complete shutdown all again. So the only ways to really circumvent that, or at least to the best of their abilities, would be to test everyone 
have a test that doesn't take forever to do. You have to test everyone every day and you have to seclude the players all from each other. Like that would be the only way to really go about it. I mean, on the course, uh, you know, besides picking your ball out of the cup, besides touching the rakes, besides touching the pins, like these guys don't come into contact with one another. Uh, you're right. The clubhouse is the issue, which I suppose you could construct some uh, makeshift. I mean, you're not going to be putting up grandstands because there's no way. First of all, whenever this comes back, there's like no way there's going to be fans there, in my opinion. So you might as well use where you would have put the grandstands and all that infrastructure and put up some extra clubhouses to get these to get these guys away from each other. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. And, and I do think and, and Rory mentioned this and Rory kind of put a lot of the pressure on when the PGA Tour shut down is he said, you know, if one caddy, if one person tests positive for this, like we're, we're all going home. And I think he's still right, and he'll still be right in June, July, August, whenever. If someone tests positive, you gotta probably gotta shut it down. Ben, what do you think? The, what do you think the first like besides MMA, besides golf, like what do you think the first team sport to come back is? Do you think it's football in like September or October? Yeah, I, I mean, I think football. They're, they're going to try to find a way to get it done. It's just a matter of. I think they may try to experiment something with, with baseball. You know, we've seen what you just alluded to. There's some time between now and then I I think football will get off the ground in some capacity. It's going to be a, it seems a long time until we have fans. Uh, I think there's going to be two totally different conversations when the sports come back. And then when the sports come back as we're kind of uh, used to seeing them. So it's just how soon is too soon. And is it better to try to be early and then potentially have to stop again or to be a little late to the party, but have no interruptions. That's really what I think most of them are weighing. I think that holding the Ryder Cup at the end of September is probably the craziest thing on this entire schedule, Rick, only because the Ryder Cup is fan-driven to begin with. Like, does anyone really want to see a Ryder Cup without fans there? Not really. It's an exhibition event for one thing that requires people from all around the world to convene onto the same spot. Like, that just seems like a bad idea through and through. You know, I I see it because it's like, oh, you know, it's fewer people. It's only like 12 guys on each team. It's not a full field event. But you're right. It's so driven by the excitement, the team aspect, the fans, the the environment like that's what the Ryder Cup is. Every highlight you see are the fans going nuts and and guys running around the green. Like imagine making the Ryder Cup winning putt and all you hear are a bunch of guys like like 12 guys yelling on the green like it's going to be super awkward. It's going to be super weird. Uh so yeah, I I think it's I think it's interesting to try to continue with that. I think I actually think the Open Championship um, made the right move to just early be like, Hey, we're going to cancel it. We're going to give Royal St. George's another crack in 2021. Like we're not going to play the postponed game or anything like that. We're just going to miss, miss a year and come back and, and try to do it again. I think that was probably the smart way to handle that. Yeah. Especially because if the PGA announces that they're going to run all these tournaments out from August all the way through November, like when does the open championship even jump in and say, Oh no, we're going to go like, I guess October would be, the only time they could have went to give themselves enough buffer time. But even then, like we don't know what the travel situation is going to be two months from two months from now, let alone six months from now, that can you even get into these countries? Can you leave these countries into another one? Like I don't want to say I'm dubious, but as it stands right now, it doesn't seem very likely. No. That was great. Uh and selfishly I can't remember an open championship that hasn't been an utter destruction by me. I can't get it right. So that's one thing that saved me money probably in the long term. It's just, 
I, I think they have to be reasonable, but also not ridiculous. Like just to think it's all systems go in June seems to me pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, could it happen and, and nothing goes wrong? Maybe, I guess. Uh, but man, that is a lot of risk because if it stops again, I don't know what you do. Like then it's to, you can't be starting and stopping like week after week. That seems like the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. And like I said, the UFC is going to be a decent test case for this to see what ends up happening. And there's even fewer people involved in the UFC. Now they are going like they're fighting each other. So they're going in contact with one another, but it's much easier to, to seclude each of the fighters and their you know, one team member, I guess that can accompany them to the octagon and keep them away from each other. When we're talking about you know, a football team of 53 players, plus coaches, plus training staff, everything like that, playing each other every single week. It's a lot of people on the PGA tour. They're more spread out, but it's still a lot of people that people might get a false green light from the UFC, the PGA think, Hey, this is fine. We can go do it. And like you said, if anything happens, it's a PR nightmare for them. Like there's no real PR nightmare for the UFC. Like it's the UFC. Like the, it's kind of expected that they would do this, wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know much about the UFC private Island. That seems like it in their wheelhouse. Uh, it, it is way less, uh, you know, the floor for them of, even if it goes wrong, you know, it's like people, Oh, that was stupid. If the, if the PGA does that and in the same results happen in terms of it not going well, the blowback is going to be immense. Um, so it's just a different situation. I know they want to get back as soon as it's going, and we've got the outlaw golf going on or whatever that is right now. I just don't know exactly what to model it after. I don't think the UFC is a great litmus test for anybody, honestly. Well, even if you look at, to Ben's point, if you look at like the lead time, the UFC can put on a, an event basically anywhere in the world in pretty short order, you know, a couple of weeks, they throw out a couple of tweets, they do a little promotion, everybody, you know, no fans in the stands and they, and they have this thing go off. The, the PGA tour has got a lot more lead time than that. Now, obviously without the fans, you, you probably don't need to put up grandstands or anything like that. And you need to have a lot less marshals and volunteers and things like that. But these events need weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks of time to set up. So if you're pausing and starting and pausing and starting every other week, trying to figure this out. It's just a logistical nightmare. They'd lose, like they'd lose so much money. They lose so much time. It's, it's almost hard to wrap your head around. Like once they start, they want to be on, you know, for, you know, back on schedule for, for forever. The, the starting and stopping would be a disaster. Well, I'm curious to see how they divvy this, divvy this up network wise. Like PGA championship is going to be in San Francisco. I believe that is Rick. You can probably fill me in on this as you do content for CBS. That's a CBS event, right? I'm, I'm, I'm positive. It is. Yes. Okay. And the Wyndham championship is also a CBS event, correct? That sounds correct. Yes. So you have one week, the CBS team in production is in San Francisco. The next week that they're in North Carolina, that seems relatively problematic for getting your people across the country for one thing maybe you just use two separate crews uh and then you have the northern trust bmw and tour championship i believe those are all nbc back to back to back so this year it's this year northern trust is cbs and then bmw and tour championship are nbc all right so you go cbs 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 i don't know if they're going to change this up a little bit but you go from san francisco to north carolina to and the Northern Trust is in Boston this time around. Like you're just going all over the country in three consecutive weeks. In a normal week, the logistics on that are pretty difficult. But I'd imagine now with 
and I guess we don't know what the timing is going to be with like restricted travel and things like that. But if you're driving some of that equipment to places, like you're not going to get there. We we might see that that bare bones uh, setup that we've kind of been calling for to put you know put stationary cameras on every tee on every green and just run it through run it through the stream like hey now's the time to to try that out let's not fly or truck you know two hundred people in and all the equipment it it might not be great for you know the actual broadcast of it but uh might hey it's just like everyone's working from home now and a lot of companies are like oh wow like we could have done 95 percent of our work from home maybe a little bare bones skeleton staff from some of these uh broadcasting networks might might show that they can pull off some of this stuff yeah and you definitely have time to test some of this stuff out uh in the following four months or so to see how well you can get the stream to work if you can use robo cams to cut down on the number of people that actually need to be there um i i and I don't think that people are going to complain about a lower quality of broadcast if this is the only thing going on. So no shot tracker? Is that <laughs> like what good is golf if you can't sweat your egregious guys, honestly? People imagine people, the volunteer. We would need less volunteers, but they'd have to be good for shot for shot tracker out there. It's all about shot tracker. That. Well, I, I I saw that people were DraftKings opened up uh, DraftKings contest for the Outlaw Tour. Rick, I know we were talking about it before we came on air, but the first thing I saw, people were complaining that there's no shot tracker on the Outlaw Tour. It's like, really? Shocker. And, and not only is there no shot tracker, I'm pretty sure they only update the stats after each nine. So you get like, you get like the score that may or may not be correct through nine holes. And then you get another score that will need to be, you know, offic- uh, made official later after everybody finishes 18. And it's like hilariously awesome. I, I saw one where Alex Cheka claimed he shot three under and got to 10 under, but the official scoreboard had him at two under and minus nine. Like I legit don't know who to believe on this. No. And, and there was another, if you go to look at their stats on their website too, it's like, um, you know, one guy will have the same stat in there three separate times, right? His scoring average is 68.5. His scoring average is 70.1. It's like, no, it's, it's speaking of lawlessness that Ben mentioned earlier, this is the outlaw tour and they're just making up rules as they go along. Ben, how do you cap this stuff properly? How do I submit DraftKings lineups with any degree of confidence? Maybe I just don't because I have a high degree of confidence in my lineups normally and they're all fucking trash. So maybe this is the one I should be playing. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I can't play in New York, so that's just annoying. I, I tried to play. I, there's no, and Rick, maybe, you know, I, I did a little research and like, I could find out maybe where some of these guys went to college. Um, that's about it. Like, I don't know what is going on there. It's, I mean, it's an actual create a player, uh, field. And then there's Jetka. Um, I think there's one other guy that I've like allegedly heard of, but that might've been not even true. So this is like, you're playing with people, you're almost flying blind in all aspects. Obviously, you can look at the Vegas odds. Uh, I'm assuming that's how they got the pricing in general. But other than that, I don't know what else to really say about Outlaw Golf. We, we've we done some projections over at Osimo, but I think they're very correlated to the Vegas odds. That's your best starting point. I, I think this is where if you're a mini tour master or just know a lot about even half the players in the field, know something about the course. Like the guy who is as we film this is the gigantic favorite to win on the outlaw tour is just crazy. He's like eagling every he's essentially Colin Morikawa par five Eagle, like put it in the bank that if I had known this guy's like a bomber who like might get lucky putting, maybe I would have been inclined to take him. I don't know. There, there's also a situation where like, 
uh, I don't know, a large percentage of the field has only played in like one or two, maybe other events. So you can't even look at like what their other results are or anything like that. And then, yeah, Checo was, was posting stuff on Instagram and the course looked like honestly kind of like a little dog, a little dog track over there. It's, it's, it is outlaw golf at its finest for sure. Yeah. So if I actually knew who these people were, that would be a big help or maybe not. Like I said, maybe it's just best to throw caution to the wind and go into this. I want to talk about the Masters just moving from April to November, at least tentatively. That's that's the plan, at least. Uh, at the end of the FedEx Cup, we're going to get, like you mentioned, like you have your Munozes and all these other guys. You're going to see some weird guys qualify for the Masters in 2021 in April because the FedEx Cup, like the top 30, all get into the field for the following year. I saw four guys got into this year's Masters at the very end. It was like McDowell, Scotty Scheffler, I want to say like Morikawa and someone. Did you guys see this? Um, I saw that. I don't remember the fourth. I know. I know McDowell was like forty. He was like the second to last guy in, or something like that. But I saw they did add a few. I can probably research this pretty quickly. And then they they locked the field in. So it's it's. I'm I'm like pretty sure it is set for November right now. It's 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 set for November. That doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen. Right. Right. Oh, for sure. Okay. Here's the, here's the worst take. Do you see all the Augusta traditionalists that are triggered that this is playing in November and that it's not in April with the azaleas blooming down Magnolia lane and Bobby Jones never played it in November. Like that's the worst take. Yeah. They should be annexed. (laughs) That sounds like a pretty, like if I was going to play like Tim Andercust Mad Libs (laughs) outrage, that sounds like it would be definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. It's, oh, it's, you know, the masters is so traditional, tr- so traditional. It's always the same weather. It's always the same time. How, how are we going to do it in November? We should just cancel it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not good. Not fun. Uh, so 96 players have been invited to play in the masters. That's up from 87 last year. The last four in the field, Morikawa, Scheffler, Graham McDowell, and, and our guy, Christian Bezzini. Okay. So he, he, he's in. So we talked a little bit about the U.S. Open, how moving it from June to September, there's a potential for it being a bit colder, but it's still September. It should be warm. Uh, the average temperature from the second week of April to the second week of November in Georgia, it's not like frigid in Georgia, but the lows could be really low. Like We've seen cold temperatures in April at Augusta in the past. It's rare, and it wouldn't have played that way as it turned out this week. Like the average temperature, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but it'd be like, 23 degrees celsius and it looks like the average temperature in november for that week is like 15 degrees celsius as sort of a median now you can go way colder than that like i would think if i talk about how the u.s open could lean towards euros a little bit i'd have to think like it could be exceptionally cold in november in georgia it could be unseasonably warm in georgia as well i I don't know but i think you'd have to bake in whatever the median is like that really works to the disadvantage of tiger i would think oh yeah him him in particular uh with everything though and i'm hopeful uh you know we'll, we'll get the band back together if this does in fact happen when we get closer the one thing everybody i can tell you right now i know we're filming this many many months beforehand everyone in the world is going to be saying well this is in november we got to radically change everything like the overreaction to this i'm not saying it's not a factor but when you talk about dfs and ownership and whatnot it's like the wind splits uh when people get so crazy they they flip their player pool on its head uh maybe too much and and maybe it's not that big a deal maybe it plays very similar and it's not 
a, a huge overhaul of your player pool. I would think in colder conditions, the ball doesn't go quite as far. So he, yeah. there's always an overemphasis on driving distance anyway at the Masters that maybe it comes back into play. I think this really set up well for Bryson, Rick, if, if I had to guess. Feinberg and I were talking about this, that if there's one, there, there, sorry, if there are two players that come out of this break, like ready to go, it's going to be Bryson and Sungjae. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- those guys were knocking on the door. Bryson statistically, I mean, is actually breaking the game with what he's doing off the tee. I saw he was live on Instagram last night with a 203 mile an hour, you know, ball speed off of his driver, but he, he will be ready to go. Bryson, or, uh, and then Sungjae did an interview and said, he's, he's found some golf courses that are still available, still open. He's been out there playing, but yeah, this, this, I, I actually think it also helps guys that need to get right. Um, not necessarily tiger because we've got the father time issue. Tiger's not getting any younger. Any time off might hurt him, but like Jordan speed, Jordan speed needs a reset. This might be the reset that he needs, just some time off. Or Brooks Kepka, who's going through, you know, still coming back from, from the knee thing. Like, guys that historically are playing better than they are recently, I think this, you know, hate to say there's winners out of this, but I think it helps them. Yeah, anyone who needs to substantially recover from an injury, this gives you a forced time off, which you probably actually need. The problem I have with Tiger, I would say you can throw Jason Day into this bucket, is that back injuries, cold weather, do not go well together. I just think for those guys, it's, it's almost week by week. Like, however they wake up, if, if they can't get loose in a week, which happens, you can't get the back loose. Like you're in trouble. So for them, it, it almost doesn't matter when it is. It's just kind of, I don't want to say luck of the draw, how they feel when they wake up, but that's kind of a lot of it with back injuries. Yeah. How would you take, like, would you Ben, like if you look at like the Lontos of the world or even guys that came in super hot, whether it be Bryson or Sungjae, it just feels like Bryson will have his entire game figured out. Like his irons have been piss poor and he's still playing well. And all of his career wins, except for the one in Saudi Arabia, have come like after May, like into June and the rest of the season that he's good this time of year. You got to watch out for that. Fleetwood too. Like Fleetwood's good at the end of the year. Bryson, yeah. I mean, he was, I, I know, I believe Rick, you liked him a ton at the players. Uh, he was really just dominating off the tee. You know, if there's one guy, I don't want to try to read too much into what guys are doing. You know, Bryson is is not just sitting around doing nothing. Like he's always in the lab, for lack of a better term, doing things. The guy that I'll throw out there to add to your list is Justin Rose. Uh, he got caught at the Masters last year, which was insane. He's had some sluggish starts. I didn't love where his game was trending. You know, it looked like he was working on some things. He's, of course, a, a Euro, plenty of experience, not too old, in my opinion. I actually think that he's someone that could could come out of this in a better situation than when he when he left. That, that's actually a good one, Ben, because he also dropped Hanma clubs like the exactly. week before the players, right? So if he's back to those tailor made sticks, or he's going, he's going to figure out a new manufacturer or whatever. He now has time to figure yep. that out and work through it. It is actually pretty interesting that the timing of how he was dropping those clubs. Well, I am already in on Bryson at 50 to 1 to win the Masters, and that bet is carrying through. So the only bets that have been refunded by the books are the British Open bets because those have been officially canceled. And I'm glad they're not canceling the rest of them because the reason I took the futures on these guys is because I didn't expect their odds to be at the same place. Like currently, Bryson is 25 to 1 to win the Masters. You got him at 50. I don't want that canceled. I have Justin Thomas 20 to 1 to win the Masters. He's 12 to 1 to win the Masters right now. Justin Rose. 45 to one to win the masters. I think I might bet that like as we speak, that's what I'm talking about. Like I, I think people Rick, Rick alluded to this. He was working through multiple things. Uh, it was a slow start for a guy that's a veteran. I didn't worry too much about it, but man, he was clearly going to have to find it on the fly. Uh, now he gets to kind of, 
you know, plan out a schedule to be ready to peak, not in, you know, June and July, but in maybe October and November. So that that's something that I think is uh, you could take advantage of. And Rose is at the top of that list for me. And with the new norm, if this is how the schedule actually goes, like you talk about the colder weather with the Euros. I mean, it's just playing this time of year is so atypical for PGA players, at least at a high level. I know Tiger went to Japan and won last year and they play in like, they might play the CJ cup. They might play WGC China, but like the Euros are playing the race to Dubai during this time every year. Like the Euro schedule goes into this part of the year because it starts back up with major tournaments after the FedEx cup playoffs go that I do think that's an advantage that you're used to playing this time of year. But maybe that's all thrown out the window because of the massive amount of time off and doing nothing that you're going to have. But if you're looking for little edges, I would lean that way, Rick. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting that the the big events on both tours don't want to compete with one another, and especially the Euro Tour. So they save a lot of their big stuff until after the Tour Championship. You see, I mean, Paul Casey did it. He played the Tour Championship, and he went over and played like, I don't know, seven out of eight weeks on the European tour, something crazy. The guy never stopped playing uh, during the the fall swing season. He was just playing it all in, in Europe and, it, and and in the winter. So I do think there is something to it. They, they tend to get a broader range of uh, variant weather uh, over there, whether it's at altitude or whether it's just a little bit chillier or things are windier, things like that. So uh, yeah, this might be the, the year of the Euro when we get back to golf. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking right now at those Justin Rose odds overall. So one place has him at 25 to one. Another place has him as 28 to one. And my main book has him at 45 to one. If you can find that 45 to one, I'd suggest taking that. Yeah. Count me in. PayPal me some money. I'll get you in on it. Yeah, man. Uh, No, that's listen. He's a guy, you know, I, a lot's going to change between now and then, and we may get some, some reps, but See, I just come at things so much from a game theory standpoint. Like, say we get only a couple of events, you know, before any, like, no matter where they start, the recent form overweight uh, going into the second or third PGA event is going to be massive. People are going to get so crazy because you're going to have nothing to look at. Uh, And to me, it's just such a natural pivot, no matter what happens in that first event. It's going to be ridiculous, too, though, because, like, the Masters especially, because there's going to be the U.S. Open September 17th then the Ryder cup the next week. And then the masters isn't played until November 12th. Now they might jam in tournaments in between that people can use to get reps, but as it stands, it's going to be two months off from a field that had 30 people in it. Yeah. That's nuts. I can't imagine that would hold though, but maybe I'm wrong. Like they probably try to squeeze back in like Napa or something like they that. They have to. Yeah. I, I think they have to make the sponsors happy, right? The, the events that got canceled, they're going to try to squeeze. I think they're going to try to squeeze them. I think we're going to see, Assuming golf starts and never stops again, I think you're going to see a lot of events, a lot of, hey, you know, the Valero or the Valspar or something like that that got canceled. Maybe we move it and slot it in somewhere else. We got it. We like this is a this is a sport where you literally the sponsors are in the title of the events like they've got to keep them happy. They've got to fulfill a lot of obligations. I think we see a lot of golf when it comes back. But there better not be Trinity Forest. That's my only requirement. (laughs) Well, why why did they always talk about that being the premier Chambers Bay and Trinity Forest, the Lynx courses of America? Couldn't you just move the Open Championship to one of those? Sure. Yeah. Trinity Forest. (laughs) (sighs) Don't get me started, but we'll we'll see. I I do think they are going to try to appease some of these sponsors, especially geographically, if it makes sense. I don't know if they're going to have guys like 
we're doing a piece of the Florida swing and now you're flying to Texas and then you're going to bump up to, to wing foot or something that that's a little dicey, but if it makes sense geographically, I bet they try to do it. So in the meantime, we, we've given out our one bet. I might bet Patrick Reed at the, at the U S open too, at 40 to one or 45 to one, wherever the hell he was. I'll shop for a good number on that, but Rose 45 to one. I'm in on that. Outside of this, what have you guys been up to? Rick, you've been running like simulations. You simulated the masters. That's right. Yeah, I've, I simulated the Masters. Uh, Golf Digest took my raw numbers and f- unbelievably made it come to life with with articles that it made it sound like you were reading uh, the actual recap of the event. It was actually pretty unbelievable. So that's on Golf Digest. Um, they're rolling out around every single day. Went on CBS Sports HQ to, to talk about the Sims. So yeah, it's just something fun to keep uh, to keep myself busy keep everybody you know at least somewhat entertained as I can and yeah it's it's been it's been something it's been weird but it's been fun what uh, who won the simulated masters uh, I cannot divulge that yet because oh, it will be a- depending on when this comes out this, 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 uh, this, will, will, this, not- this will be coming out either next Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay, then uh, Webb Simpson wins the Golf Digest uh, <laughs> simulations. He he makes so many he makes so many birdies. I think he had a three shot lead going into Sunday, shot even par on on Sunday, and uh, and and puts on the green jacket. All right, are, are you staying inside most of the time? Because you have the entire golf set up in your backyard. Yeah, I've got the putting green out back, and we've got a nice little you know backyard area. So we've been going out there trying to trying to get some some workouts in, and I've been working on my putting game. So I should have no excuses when I can get back out to a, a real course. But yeah, we're we're taking the dog on some on some long walks. So we've been you know we've been we've been getting out, but a lot of a lot of content also in the office. So it's either the office or the putting green, two places you can find me. And you're running those like you have like a video game tour on the go. Dude, it's great, man. The, the world, like, okay, that I was like, I did not know what to expect out of this. I was like, I'll play video games. You guys want to play video games. Then everybody hops on and wants to play video, you know, video game golf with me. So I've been putting on a tour, scheduling everything out, chatting it up with everybody. It's just, we're just passing the time, uh, trying to have a little fun. And the fact that golf's involved, I'm, I'm stoked for it. What, what, what is the game that you guys are playing? It is called The Golf Club 2019. So it's on PlayStation, Xbox, and I think there is a a PC version of it as well. I'm say, can I can I play it on my phone? I don't think so. <laughs> that's, that's a bummer. I don't have any of these systems. I guess I have a computer. I could probably do it through that. Yeah, I think there's a PC version. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 very realistic. Everyone kind of stinks at it, and putting's really hard, and all that stuff. But uh, everybody seems to love it. Ben, do people know that you lost your debit card? <laughs> oh my god i can't i the tilt the tilt is just been extreme like i cannot handle the bet ba- so the banks are all closed in new york for the most part so like i can't get anyone i have to work on the phone try to deal with it uh i've been stressed about that but no i've been keeping busy we've been running sims over at awesome uh for the nba and the nfl we actually have i can't believe i'm saying it but it's true the league of legends package that they put together I am not involved, obviously, has been phenomenal. Uh, I've checked that out. It's actually incredibly useful if you are going to play those. And the contests over on DraftKings have been huge. So doing that, personally, I've been playing a lot of poker, which is not a huge surprise. I came from the poker world. Uh, So been keeping busy. Um, I will say real quick, go to the DFS Open. I play golf basically for the first time. And I'm like, this is great. I'm going to get on the courses. I'm going to get... Obviously now I'm just straight quarantined in New York, so it's going to probably be uh, just as bad next year for me. I had a nice plan and it's been immediately derailed. 
did you figure out that if you're going to commit to being a lefty full-time or a righty? Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to have to stick uh, with left-handed for golf. You know, nice. I'll, I'll keep right-handed for, for the sports that I actually play that I'm competent at. So I'm going to stick with the lefty. But like, you do the horse racing. Horse racing still on the go, isn't it? So horse racing is kind of like UFC uh, in the sense that they're just like kind of doing their own thing. They've pushed some of the events and they kind of have like a, I don't want to say it's like a FedEx cup, but the way it works, you need points to get into the Derby. But now the Derby has been postponed to way later in the year. So like there's going to be new races that typically would be after the Derby that now I assume will will get points associated with them. I mean, that's going to make it really weird. Like Saratoga, which I go to every year is now going to be if they, if they do run before the Kentucky Derby. And that's just something that has never happened as to my knowledge. Do you think Very that, odd. well, you've been doing all these Sims. Are you doing basketball Sims and NFL Sims? Like you're doing commentary for, cause I've been doing Madden Sims commentary yep. on the DraftKings channel. And like, I lose interest in Sims after about 30 seconds and I just start talking about whatever. And people get very upset with me. People get, yeah. I mean, I, I've been doing a ton of NBA Sims. We've been doing double headers. We're doing the playoffs right now, actually. And I try to keep it in the game. I mean, you know me, I like to wander and, and bet on egregious things. And, but we, we try to keep the commentary focused on the game when we can. Uh, but yeah, Chad is very lively. I, I will agree with that as well. Here's a hint for you. If you watch Ben on a Sim, and the team that you've bet or the team that you're rooting for, if Ben says they just need to keep contact, you are absolutely dead in the water, right? That's, that's like that's the a, go-to. That's a death sentence. Yeah, when yeah. you're down <laughs> 22 minutes into the game, it's just yeah, keep contact. Just like my golfers, that's a Grios. That that evolved from when Grios six over through two holes, and it's just he's got to keep contact with the leaders. <laughs> when are we getting like full full blown PGA Sims on the go? We'll do entire tournaments. You tell me, boys. I, I, I am not tech savvy. I don't own a system either. Like I'm a, I'm useless with that stuff. I, I'd love to do it. Uh, hopefully, though, not too much long. I, I, I want to be optimistic, not to jump around, but I, I really hope that in a couple months, maybe we do get some of the the things back, even if it's a little different. Well. I would get into playing vids online, but like I haven't played video games in like 10 years, 15 years. Like I don't want to jump into a game, have to learn a new system. Like I'm going to be dog shit at it. I need something where I can stream N64. Rick, can you make that happen for me, please? Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll add that to the list. I was uh, I was trying to find, yeah, it wasn't N64. Well, it was Super Nintendo. I was looking for it, like emulators online to to start. Tra- I saw somebody playing backyard baseball online. Remember that? That yeah, game but, was like the best. I, I feel like I could figure, streaming wise, I could figure it out pretty easily because I have the camera. I have this handy TV behind me. I have an N64 right there. I got the games behind me. I could just play it on the screen, but I want to be able to play like GoldenEye against people. That would All right, we'll work on that. I like yeah. that though. Cause I'm with you. Like I played the, like Aladdin for Sega Genesis. That's <laughs> where I like kind of retired and since then it's been non-existent in the video game world for me. So I, I can't play like NBA 2k. I would be, I'd be thrown off the court for just not knowing what I'm doing. Rick, you mentioned the corn fairy guys, like everyone who grinded to get their stuff already and that tour started late so it was only the people who went to like latin america that's where the tour started and a lot of people on the corn ferry tour skip that portion of the schedule because it's so expensive to go play in these events that if you don't win money like you're you don't have a whole lot of 
you don't have a whole lot in the kitty to begin with if you're a corn fairy player to pay your expenses, to pay your caddy and everything like that, that a lot of people just decide to skip it, either play McKenzie Tour to start off with and then go to the Corn Ferry Tour and play stateside. That What about all the people that won their cards this year that are on tour that like played one event? Like, Do they get to keep their cards? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that uh, – I don't know how flexible the PGA Tour is going to be on this. I, I hope it's very flexible and they just put in some – Hey, there's, this is a rules exemption for this year because things are crazy. And if you had your car for the card for this year, you're going to be able to keep it for next year. I don't know what other logistical nightmares, uh, that would, uh, create later down the road when you've got, you know, 300 guys that want to play every single tournament and you've got the, you know, the alternate list and you've got to go based on the, the merit list. I, I don't know. It is a shame because the corn fairy guys, the guys that only played probably, you know, three events on their tour, who aren't, who don't have the multi-million dollar sponsorships. They're the ones that are looking around like, well, how am I, how am I paying my bills? Kind of like a lot of other people. So it's, I don't know what's going to happen. I just hope that it is something that is uh, very flexible for those guys because they're kind of in, in the worst of it right now. Yeah. You'd think uh, Tiger would be like, you know, I got a billion dollars. Here's like $10 million to divvy up between yourselves. Well, I saw the tour and I don't know if this extends to the corn fairy tour. I saw that they are offering out uh, early man, I don't know the exact details, but essentially loans based on future, future earnings or something like that. So um, I don't know how it's paid back or who it is uh, extended to, but there are some, some financial assistance for these guys being put into place. Yeah, well, there's a lot of expenses that go into this that I don't think that people see. Like you had mentioned, the prize pools on DraftKings for the Outlaw Tour are higher than the actual prize pools for the Outlaw Tour to begin with, and you have to pay so much to get into these tournaments. Ben, CJ McCullough released an interview, NBA player. He said that like one-third of NBA players live paycheck to paycheck. That seems insane. It does, but like I don't think people realize that, you know, when they if they budget they budget for a lifestyle that is, is just not sustainable. Like they probably have a lot of dependents. There's just a lot of people that they help um, lavish lifestyle for some of them. And, you know, their runway isn't suddenly that they are just not going to get paid for a while. I, I think that's unique to a lot of different people and a lot of different, maybe, uh, you know, monetary situations, but it's the same concept. Like you just start to get from, you get comfortable with where you're at and you kind of project it even in your mind and that can be uh, really difficult. I, I saw that and I was shocked to hear, I mean, those guys make a lot of money, but the golfers, that could be a serious problem. I'm interested. I wonder if guys will just, I mean, have to move on, even if it's temporarily to other, you know, more mainstream type jobs, if they're even available at this point. Well, that would be the thing. We've seen guys over the past few years, like John Peterson, I believe ended up becoming a real estate agent. Uh, and he was someone who like competed on the PGA tour for a while. He's like, it's not sustainable for me. I need to go get a real job. So I have steady income. Just where do you go right now? If we quit being a corn fairy player or a mini tour player, like what, what jobs are actually available for you to go out and get right now? That's the problem. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, dust off the poker streets. I, I, yeah. I mean, there's just not a lot of like mainstream jobs. Everyone's in the same boat and, golfers are no different in that regard all right thanks guys for joining me i like talking about golf i'm not gonna lie to you i miss it i do i I, there's some things that i don't miss but being able to wake up and 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 sweat shot tracker and and have some fun on shows like this is, is one of the things that i truly miss the most 
Well, we can continue to talk about golf. I don't know how much more information that we're going to have to do weekly shows, but whenever something breaks, maybe call you guys up and see how it goes. How's that sound to you, Rick? Uh, let's do it. We're, we're everyone in the golf industry. I mean, we do the, we do the CBS sports pod and like, we we're getting very creative on content right now. Uh, but we're still finding a way to talk about golf, having, having fun. So I'm sure we can figure something to talk about. Yeah. As it pertains to sports on the Pat Mayo experience, we're going to have anytime something new comes up, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to have a ton of NFL draft stuff, assuming that's going to go. There's going to be a full UFC. We already have a first look breakdown show. There's going to be an actual pick show. So anytime that stuff happens, we'll talk about it. Other than that, I, I think I'm just going to steer clear. The sports stuff can go out of date so quickly that how, how many times can we rank, you know, who the best number 39 was over the past 80 years in baseball? Like eventually you just don't want to pay attention to this shit anymore. It's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, what's there to say? We, we've tried to be creative, too. We were doing, I did a show this morning, we were doing trivia. We're going all sorts of avenues, just trying to keep it lively and, and trying to get people a distraction, which right now is, is actually really important. Well, Ben, I'm glad you brought this up because, I mean, you guys were doing trivia on your show this morning. I am going to start producing a game show every week, I believe, for sports trivia. I love it. There you go. I so, tried to go on Jeopardy so in past life. And did, did you, you didn't make it on, I'm guessing. So I, I passed the, the test. I passed the second test. I went in, uh, I played, uh, with the buzzer and whatnot, which was awesome. Uh, but no, I did not go on the actual show. So how is the buzzer like the, I would feel like everyone who's on the show doesn't necessarily like, there's obviously people who are way above and maybe people that are a bit lesser than, but the big differentiator would be how good you are with the buzzer. hundred percent. Uh, I'll say this, the buzzer is a lot heavier than I thought it would be. Um, I didn't have trouble buzzing in. I, I think pretty good reflexes, good timing with stuff like that. It's just, it's a lot of stuff out there. Um, you know, I have a, I have a weird memory. I can retain stuff kind of not, not photographically, but really well, but there's also just so many categories that I have no interest in that I had to try to study. And that, that is really difficult. You have so, to know your Shakespeare. If you go, on, yeah, like if you go on Jeopardy, opera, yeah, that's, opera shakespeare literature like you give me geography capital stuff like that no problem but the other ones it's it's a uh tough sledding yeah so the tentative idea for this game show is going to be you know working title crack the cust you got to beat cust oh boy in, in sports trivia and random trivia in general he's he's a lot like you very good at the old trivia so i think we're gonna have cust against one viewer versus a celebrity <laughs> player which would be like you guys uh and you oh, wow. you would play for someone that you get to choose and they with like the overall prize being like 100 DraftKings bucks or something i love it yeah, i love it beautiful. I, that's like yeah any anytime trivia comes up on one of these shows or when i i forget what it was i think you had custom jeff doing like top 25 money list stump stump the schwab style i was like replay replay like that's that's, that's, that's it baby so there we go jeff might not be the best candidate for this one <laughs> It was it's like Chargers trivia, but we'll see how it goes. I, I'm I don't normally like to get the viewers involved in a show. It's like why we don't do call-in shows. I've That's done risky. them in the I've done them in the past, and they're a fucking disaster. Like for every one good caller that you get, that's like, oh wow, that's a great question. This guy has good insight. You have twenty people who are just like off their rocker uh, and don't know what's going on. So I got to pick the people properly. But I think trivia could work. I, I'll get some good theme music. We'll make it fun. The, the the 20 bad calls might be just as entertaining too who knows they're, they're not they're not i can guarantee <laughs> when i used to have my serious show i can assure you they're not oh i love it i can't wait to see how this goes because yeah. more more professional hosts than myself 
you know, do a good job of wading through the water, making the stuff entertainment. I just get so, I get so discouraged after about three seconds. Just like, fuck this, hang up on them. <laughs> yeah, that might not be the answer. Yeah, I don't have the right personality type to do a call-in show. Maybe I'll give it a go at some point. Maybe the viewers of the Pat Mayo Experience, after all these years, are very sensible people. Considering the fact that they watch this show, I doubt that. Just a little <laughs> bit. We'll see. But anyway, I want to thank you both for being on the line. You can follow Ben on Twitter at JazzRazDFS and follow him at AwesomeO.com. Rick on Twitter at RickRunGood. You can follow him there at RickRunGood.com or DFSOnDemand.com and listen to his podcast up on CBS Sports and watch him on CBS Sports HQ. For me, at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, sub to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, all those fun places, the Googles. Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you enjoy about the show. Boom, in that draw. For 100 DraftKings dollars, you want to get in the draw for 20 DK bucks, smash the like to the video, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me who you think is now going to win the Masters that has been moved to November. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. Stay safe. I'll see you next time. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.